I believe that God has something special for us this morning, um, mainly because we've asked him. So about six months ago, a group of us decided we're going to get together, we're going to study the, the topic of the Holy Spirit. But more than that, we asked that God would take us on a journey. And every time we met, we physically got on our knees and we said, God, take us on a journey to understand what it means to be people who are full of your spirit. And so I just want to stop. I know we just prayed, but I want to stop and I want to get on my knees. And you're welcome to join me if you want. And I just want to ask God in the same way that we ask him every single time. I want to ask him to fill us. Papa, we're well aware this morning that apart from your loving arms and your kindness, we're in a lot of trouble. And so we humble ourselves before you. And we say, would you make us aware of your Holy Spirit that has been put inside of us if we are your children God, would you take us on a journey, not just this morning, but for all time, of understanding what it means that the living God, you yourself, is in us. So I ask that you would move this morning. May we never be the same in Christ's name. Amen. Um, I want to ask you this question, because what we're going to talk about this morning is this idea of God unleashing his spirit in us and through our lives. So I want to ask you, I'm going to ask you several questions to kind of probe at you this morning, but the first question I want to ask you is this. Do you think you have enough talent to live the Christian life? Okay, one of the problems with Christianity and how we view Christianity is we compartmentalize things, right? And so, you know, we're um, an employer or an employee, we're an athlete, and yeah, we're a Christian. And so even in our compartmentalization of life, we view Christianity as just this other task that we have on our plate to live out. And I know there's several of you, a lot of you are very competitive, and you're very driven people. And you can even view the Christian life as this thing, this task, like, like I can do this thing. Like God set a high standard, and by, by golly, like I'm going to take this thing on. That's, that's a problem. Okay, what we're going to talk about this morning is an absolute game changer. Okay, do you realize that everything that God's called us to, everything, okay, so God's commands for us to, to speak the gospel to the world, to speak the gospel to one another, God's command for us to love, okay, patience, how's that going? God commands us to be patient. God commands us to make godly decisions. He commands us to raise our kids in the fear of the Lord. Do you understand that everything that God commands of us comes about and happens through the instrumentality of the Holy Spirit in and through our lives? That's why it's a game changer, because if we don't realize that God has put himself in us, church, He's put himself in us. There's a reason for that. Do we realize that this morning? And I believe that so many of, of Christians today are just bored. Right? I mean, how, many, how many people do you know that call themselves Christians are just really excited about walking with Jesus? 
Excited about living out the commands of God. Excited about waking up every day and living for Him. But no, it's just become this thing that we do. Like, we just try to manufacture and read my Bible. Like, the Bible's boring. Listen, if the Bible's boring to you, the problem isn't the Bible. The problem is you. As I've said several times, if you're bored of things of God, go read the book of Acts. Because the church in the book of Acts is filled with the spirit and the power of God. It's welled up in their soul. And so all they can do is live that out. There is no fear in them. Absolute boldness to walk out the things of God, the ways of God. So why why are we as the church today, why are we just like singing hallelujah? Yeah, I, I love Jesus. But yet there's no... There's no life in us. There's no life in us. We're bored. I want you to go to Ezekiel 37, and I want to walk through this text. And I want to show us how God makes us alive by His Spirit. Um, the text begins where the Lord, Yahweh takes the prophet Ezekiel on a little um, field trip, if you will. Takes him on a little journey and um, takes him into this valley. And this valley um, is full of bones everywhere. Okay, first he sits him down. Look at the bones around you. Feel him, touch him. Then get up. We're going to go. Here, come over here. I want to show you this. Hey, there's bones over here. And walk over up, up here. Watch your step. Bones everywhere. Bones. Okay, and then Ezekiel makes this observation about these bones. He's, he's like, man, these things are brittle. Like, as I step on them, like, wow, there's a, I just broke that femur. Sorry, buddy. Um, and uh, everywhere he looks, there's, there's bones. Like, there's bones, and they're just cracking. They're brittle. Like, these are old. There's no life in them. They're dry. And then Yahweh asks Ezekiel a question. And I don't know about you, but if I was there, um, this question would make me a little nervous. Because what he said is, he says, Ezekiel, do you think, do you think these bones could, could live? Now, in that moment, if I was there, I'd be like, whoa, hold up, hold up, hold up. Okay, we're talking about bringing skeletons to life. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I don't hang out in a lot of cemeteries. Like, that whole concept to me, like, all right. And so he, he asked him, and, and Ezekiel kind of puts it back on him. Well, you're God. Like, why are you asking me? And I think, almost as if, like, don't go, don't go here. Although Ezekiel knows exactly where God's going. Pick it up at verse 7. Before I read 7, so so God tells Ezekiel, through you, we're going to bring these bones to life. Okay, verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound. Uh Uh-oh. Behold, a a rattling. Okay, the picture is like this, this earthquake. Okay, things begin to, to rattle. The, these bones begin to, to, to rattle, and the bones come together, bone to bone. So get this picture in your mind. Okay, like ankle bone connected to like the leg bone, leg bone connected. Okay, maybe that's where the song came from, right? Um, Ezekiel 37. Okay, and so these bones begin to connect with one another. And before you know it, like you begin to have bodies. And, and then look at what it says. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them. Sinews, okay, it's a flat, it's, um, it's a tendon. 
Okay, when I was in high school, um, I had a, my biology teacher told us the importance of tendons through this illustration. He said he had a friend who was carrying his trash bag out to the curb, and in his trash bag was a, was a can lid. Okay? And the can lid, in the process of carrying it, sliced his Achilles tendon clear through. Okay? You awake? Got the visual? Okay, and so then he describes, okay, this tendon, this man's out at his curb, his tendon is severed, and he's got to walk back into his house. And so he lifts up his leg, and his foot just flops down. Okay, so he grabs his leg, and he throws it up, and his foot comes up, and then he sets it down. And he grabs it again, he throws it forward, his foot comes up, and then he sets it down, okay? Do you understand the importance of a tendon? Okay, so in this picture, bones come together, tendons, muscles begin to show up. Flesh has come upon them, and then skin. But there was no breath in them. So, so picture this. What was bones? Now Ezekiel's standing there among bodies. Okay, which, as Rick pointed out, wasn't necessarily all that uncommon for them. Okay, but he's standing there among bodies, dead bodies. But, and one of the things you need to understand is that w- when the text uses the word breath, okay, the word breath is the Hebrew word ruah, which is the same exact word for the word spirit. And so it, it's as if Ezekiel said this, but there was no spirit in them. Okay, keep going. Verse 9, and he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, or O spirit, and breathe on these slain that they may live. Do you understand that life doesn't exist where the spirit of God isn't present? Okay, I have a daughter that's alive, okay, energetic to the core, okay, she was just jumping over chairs right before we started. Okay, but listen, don't mistake that for being alive. Listen, she's not alive. We were talking about Jesus to her last night and praying that God's spirit would come and awaken her soul to the things of God last night, but she is not alive in the way that God calls people to be alive by his spirit. So I prophesied, and he came, he commanded me, as he commanded me, and the Spirit came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Okay, so picture this. All of these bodies now have risen up. Okay, I can't get this image out of my mind that that's a picture of the church. It's a picture of God breathing his Spirit into the church, awakening them and rising up this army. For his name. And then continue on. In verse 11, he makes this point clear. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. The whole house of Israel. God's people. Behold, they say, oh, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are clean cut off. How many of you would identify with that today? 
This dry, like dry. Like, do you feel dry to the Lord ever? Do you feel like there's, there's really nothing just alive in you when it comes to your relationship with the Lord? But here is this picture that God wants to awaken our souls by His Spirit. Okay, let me ask you this question. Do you wake up in the morning alive by the Spirit and invigorated with hope and purpose for your day? Because I would venture to guess that most of us, we wake up and we're overwhelmed with what is before us, with what we're tasked with that day. To be the people of God as if we have to pull this thing off. Christians, a lot of us are just skeletons that walk around. Listen, God's Spirit's in us, is it right? Like, if you're a Christian, okay, hear me on this. If you're a Christian, the moment of your salvation, God put his spirit in you. Okay, so there's nothing we're going to do here when I'm done that you're going to do a dance and you're going to do a flip and you're going to say something and woohoo, the spirit of God is going to come into you. Okay, the spirit of God is in you. If you're a believer here this morning, if you're not, he, he can be through your faith and your surrender to him. But listen, God, he put his spirit in us. And maybe you realize this morning that the spirit really isn't alive in you. Because you've really ignored it. You've neglected God inside of you. The means by which you can live out the commands of God. And I would propose to you today that much of the church is dead to the spirit of God. Maybe some of you are dead to the Spirit of God. Here's a question. I had this question posed to me by a good friend this week. Here's the question. Would you miss the Holy Spirit if he were taken from you? I fear that we wouldn't. I fear that we wouldn't. Like, do we realize that the Spirit of God is in you? Do you have conversations with the Spirit of God in you? Is he a friend to you? He wants to be. Look at verse 12. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves, and I will raise you up from your graves, O people. Maybe you feel kind of dead this morning. Maybe you're like, I come here, and I just, I'm not engaged with the things of God. I don't have affection in my soul for the things of God. You talk about engaging my neighbors with the gospel. I just don't have, it's just not in me. Read my Bible, what? Live with joy in my life, what? He wants to raise you up. Do, do you want to be raised up? Like, I don't care if you're already up. Like, do you, want to, do you want more of him? Like, you can speak. Yes, we got one person who's ready to go, amen. No, I know there's more. But he wants to, he wants to raise us up out of our graves he says, and I will raise you up from your graves, O people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Like, do you wake up? Listen, this is so cool. Like, do you wake up in the morning with a thought on your mind, he is God? Like, 
you think that would kind of change our mood? Like if we put God back on his throne, but not just on his throne, but in our souls, on the throne of our heart. But I have some purpose today to live with. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you up from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. Where the Spirit of God isn't present, life does not exist. You shall live. And it continues on, and I will place you on your own land, and then you shall know that I am the Lord. I've spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Here's another question for you. Are you aware that the Holy Spirit resides in you? And maybe you're here today, and you're just like, I don't really know what that means. Okay, as we journeyed through my, my study that we did, um, started six months ago on the Holy Spirit, I mean, there were several people that were like, I've heard teaching on the Holy Spirit from people, talk about the Holy Spirit, but, but actually living a Spirit-filled life, I don't understand what that means. Okay, let's get really practical. I want you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Talk about what it means to live a Spirit-filled life. I'm going to start at verse 15, although I really want to start at verse 12, but we're going to get to that next week. Okay, verse 15. If you love me, Jesus is talking to his disciples. If you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Okay, that's a name for the Holy Spirit. He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. Okay, listen. The Bible says that the spirit of God is a helper to us. That he lives in, that God's put himself in us because he desires relationship with us. And he calls us to live out the things of God, but he, he gives us himself to do it. Like, how often do we try to manufacture things? Listen, here's a question for you. Would you be honest enough today to admit that you need help? Or do you think you have what it takes to live the Christian life? And I think, I think that many of us would be, I think we're honest here, that we would say, I don't have what it takes. Like, of course not. That doesn't propel us to the helper. Okay? You can stay in a, a humble, really a prideful state of, I don't have what it takes. I'm a nobody. But if that doesn't push you to realize that God's put himself in you as a helper, as a counselor, who do you go to for counsel? If you run to your friends, I need some advice. You go to a paid counselor. I'm very for those. For those, I know there's several of here that are in counseling great stuff okay but do you go to god who's in you do you live your day full of the reality that god's in me and he wants to speak to me he wants to give me wisdom if any of you lack wisdom let him ask of god who isn't distant who isn't like you got to open up the bible and find out where he's in you and he speaks to your soul let me give you an example so um when I'm not pastoring, um, I'm an artist. Uh, I'm a, a high-end artist. 
Um, it's a pretty fantastic job. Um, in the area of sandwiches. And so um, I work two days a week uh, at Subway, my parents' own. And Mike, who's in the back, thanks for letting me point you out, uh, he runs my parents' stores. Um, and so uh, long story short, so Wednesday... Um, was a was a fantastic day. There was a new girl that was coming um, to be trained, and uh, it was her first day, and she was 15 minutes late. And so um, Mike and I were talking about this girl, and he's like, "Yeah, she was late to her orientation. Um, she's if she's going to be late today, like I just don't think she, I just got this hunch. Like I don't think she's going to cut it. Okay, um, and so I think I'm gonna I'm gonna let her go. And so um, she comes in 15 minutes late, and uh, Mike goes out has a conversation with her, like, "Listen, like here's the deal." Um, late to your orientation, first day on the job, you're 15 minutes late. Um, I don't think this job is going to work out. And so he sends her out the door without a job. And he comes back, and we're talking. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit, just kind of preparing for this, and Mike was a part of the study um, on the Holy Spirit that I led. And we're, I was like, he's like, I hate this part of my job. I hate that I had to go out there. And, and tell that girl, like, I'm sorry, you don't have a job here. We need people that are reliable and um, will follow through with their word and are committed to their, their job. And, uh, and, and, I, and so then we started having this conversation about how cool is it that the Holy Spirit helps us, enables us, not just to read the Bible, not just to pray, not just to talk to people about Jesus. But listen, if you're a Christian... Everywhere your feet touches, you represent the name of God. You're an ambassador of Christ. So, even in your workplace, God enables you, okay, to represent your company in a way that honors Christ and to speak things to people in a way that honors Christ and call these young high school kids, a lot of them, that come into Subway to, like, commitment and, and even discipling them into the faith. And we had this conversation that, that could have been one of the best things that's ever happened to that girl. To walk away broken, that she didn't have a job because of the fact that she just didn't really care to show up on time. Listen, the topic of the Holy Spirit isn't just like when we gather here, like, he's going to help you engage in the song and help you hear this word, but he's going to help you Represent him everywhere your feet touch the soil. He's a helper. He's a counselor. Rick read it earlier, but in Ezekiel 36, God says, I will put my spirit within you, and I will cause you to walk in my ways. He's like, I will cause you. Like, I'm going to do it for you. There's a reason why God put himself in our lives. Because he knows that we need him. He knows that we have nothing without him. I want you to turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. And I want to try to make this even more painstakingly clear. Galatians chapter 5. I encourage you to read the entire section of Galatians 5. But I'm going to start with verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Okay, what do you know about fruit? Anybody? I'm not a, I'm not a gardener. I'm not a 
you know. What do you know about fruit? Man, how's that garden doing? We were not playing those those apple trees we were talking about. We might be in trouble. No, we know that where fruit's present, life is present, right? Fruit doesn't come from death. Okay? Now, listen to the verse. But the fruit of the Spirit is. Okay, and we've heard this verse hundreds of times. But how many times do you think about the reality that that is a, is a manifestation of God in you? Okay, let's go. Ready? The fruit of the Spirit is love. How hard is it for you to love people? Some of you are incredibly good at loving people. Like, I'm like, how do you do that? You ever try to manufacture love? It really doesn't work, right? It's like, I don't really feel this. Like, I'm supposed to do this, but like, in my heart, like, I really don't love what I'm doing. I really don't love this person, but all right, I'm going to, like, no. What enables us to love? Scripture says we love because he first loved us. Okay? The love of the Father given to us through the person of Jesus Christ, through his life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and one day second coming, his love given to us, put within us by his Spirit, enables us to love. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Like last week, I was working at Subway. It was an incredibly stressful day. Wednesdays, I do inventory. I count everything in the store. I have a really mean boss. Anyway, um, and, uh, and it was just a really stressful day. That one of the new guys came in, and he made some comment about how I didn't have anything done. I'm like, listen here, buddy. Like, I just kind of like about fired him there. It's not really my job, but I was pretty upset. And I was just stressed to the core. And, and in my heart, I was like, man, I'm going to like lose it in front of all my coworkers, and they all know I'm a pastor. Okay. And about as quietly, in the turmoil of my soul, as quietly as I, as I could, in, in my heart, I just, I just sensed God's Spirit saying, Dave, relax. Like, you're at Subway. Like, you're fine. You're making sandwiches. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> okay. I, I do that a lot. I'm like, why am I getting stressed out about this? And God's, God's spirit began to produce joy in my heart. You can't manufacture joy. You ever try to put on a fake smile? Why can we be joyful? Because scripture says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Quit trying to manufacture joy. And look to the Savior who's put himself in us. And in surrendering to him, joy will come through even in the most stressful and difficult times. Peace. Try to manufacture peace? How's that work? Peace with your kids when you're kind of at it with them? With your spouse? With your roommates? Scripture says that he himself became our peace. By the, the life-giving spirit in us. 
saw somebody put it this way this week. It's like we're in the eye of the storm. It's like everything is in turmoil around us. Everything's moving around us, but yet in the Spirit, alive in us, we're at peace. Because it's not something we manufacture. I gotta be at peace today. By the Spirit, alive in us, we're at peace. Gentleness, we can just walk through all these. Gentleness, kindness, Titus says that by the, the kindness of God, he saved us. Can't manufacture kindness. It's like fake. It might appear that way, but it's not genuine in your heart. How about this one? Faithfulness. Do you know what? Is it not really hard to be faithful? Like, I'm just going to be honest. Like, there's times, like, I, I, I want to quit doing what I'm doing. There's people in this room I've told that to several times. Like, pray for me. Like, I've asked God that I can quit pastoring because I, sometimes I hate it. The attack of the enemy and just... And you've experienced that in your life. Sometimes you want to hate being... You want to quit being a husband. You want to quit your job. The fruit of the Spirit is Faithfulness. Listen, the things that God has called you to, the things that God has called me to, he's the one by his spirit that produces the faithfulness to continue on. Every time I'm like, God, I want to quit. He's like, by his spirit, he's like, no, we're going to be faithful. We're going to be faithful. And I'm going to put joy in your life and I'm going to put peace in your life. You're going to be all right. Because I'm in you. Notice that it's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. It's a package deal. You don't just have, like, I'm good at joy, but I'm horrible at patience. Like, when you are alive by the Spirit of God, this is how it comes out of your life. And where it doesn't, we repent. And we confess, God, I'm, I'm living for myself. I'm, I'm seeking to live my own life. And I'm not submitted to your spirit's power in my life. Listen, you can't legislate these things. You can't mandate. Like, go, go live in joy. You don't have a freaking clue what I'm about to go out those doors to. The good news is, is that I have a clue who's in you to enable you to go out those doors and love your wife, love your coworkers. Love your kids. Love waiting on God. Because he produces patience in you when you don't know what's coming. You don't know what the next steps look like. Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 20, as he's sending them out, he just ascended, I'm sorry, he just rose from the dead. He's about to ascend. And he, listen to what he says in John chapter 20. Verse 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Listen, church, one of the worst things that I could do as your pastor is send you out here and say, Go be Jesus. Go live the life Jesus calls you to live. Go live a life in peace and in joy and love the people around you. You can do it. That's what he calls you to. Go love the lost. 
into the kingdom of God. Listen, the only person that can be Jesus to somebody is Jesus. Which is why Jesus said, I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He sent them out. And he said, but you're going to need me. In fact, you're not just going to need me. i got to do it. And I want to use you as a vessel to advance the kingdom of God in your own heart, in the hearts of your fellow believers, and in the world. I'm sending you. But I'm giving you myself. His presence is what makes us alive. So maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't, I don't really know how to do this. Maybe this is real new to you. Maybe you're like, give me some practical steps here. How do I live a spirit-filled life? Two things. Confess all known sin. You want to live a spirit, you want to live alive to the Spirit of God. You want to be risen up from the grave. Confess all known sin. Everything. Maybe not just before the Lord, but maybe there's somebody in the room that you need to go and you need to confess sin to. I've held a grudge against you. I've been jealous of you. I haven't loved you well. I haven't been praying for you. Confess all known sin. And ask the Lord to fill you with the Spirit. Can we, can we do that today? Can we ask him? A- Amy read it at the beginning. But what does Luke chapter 11 say? What father among you? If a son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a, a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then, you who are evil, that's us, guys, Right? We're evil people apart from the righteousness of Christ. If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So let's ask him. Let's pray. We prepare to respond to the Lord. I just want to give you an opportunity to confess all known sin. What does that look like? Maybe it means going out into the parking lot and getting on your phone and calling someone. Saying, I just need to confess something. And maybe they're not even a Christian. Maybe that could be the best conversation you ever have. Maybe you need to confess something before the Lord. Maybe you need to confess something to someone else here in the room. I give you permission I don't need to give you permission. The Spirit gives you permission to go and walk in that obedience. Confess all known sin. And let's ask Him to fill us.
Jesus, we come to you as a wicked people, apart from your righteousness. We confess that we've neglected your presence in our lives. And we ask that in your loving kindness that you'd fill us. God, as we respond to you, would you come? Would you be near to us? Would you counsel us? Would you help us? Would you minister to our hearts? Would you awaken us? for your spirit's power in our souls.